Hello and welcome back to Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which uh, Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, get to chat some of the leading lights and most interesting figures in this crazy business we are in of writing and self-publishing. And today we are delighted to have uh, a very special guest, an author of short stories, stories about the weird west. There is a new novel coming out very soon. It is Casey Griffin. How are you doing today, Casey? I'm great. Thanks for having me. We are delighted to have you. I know you can't wait to hear all, well, glean all of your wisdom, suck it out like a juice from a lemon. And uh, we have, of course, the man himself, Craig Touch, uh, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself. How are you doing today, Craig? Great. Thanks, Roland. And, and thanks for joining us, Christine. Um, you know, the short story market is so much different than the uh, novel market, which is what most of our listeners are probably uh, used to writing in. But um, there's always that, idea that you know if you can pump out short stories and if you can find the market for it it's just like another avenue of writing right it's like if you as a writer you sometimes you'll write articles or whatever right you know novels are often months or a year in between and sometimes you need some more steady income to uh to make during the off the off times and uh it since a short story would would normally take less time than a novel. Uh, you know, it might be something for people to consider if if they have the the skills to pull it off because it is kind of a different skill set, isn't it? It's not the same as writing a novel. Yeah, what do you? Yeah, think? that's exactly that's exactly right. And um, the timing that you mentioned is one of the advantages of writing short stories, right? So. Um, I'm a parent of two young kids, so writing time is, and I work full-time outside of creative writing, so writing time is very precious, and uh, what I like about the short story is you can have an idea, write it, edit it in a weekend, a day, a week, a month, you know, the timeline is so short, it can be very satisfying to get an idea out and kind of done in that short turnaround time, so that's definitely one of the, the advantages of short story writing, for sure. Yeah. And, and you're uh, someone who writes a lot of these and you have a lot of experience. You've actually given talks about the, uh, the topic of short stories in conferences. You have like a whole presentation you put mm -hmm. together, right? Yeah, that's right. And I published um, probably dozens of short stories at this point uh, in magazines, anthologies, uh, podcasts, um, kind of internationally. Uh, so I, I have done a lot of short story writing. I've seen what works and what doesn't. I've done a, a lot of editing of short stories as well. Um, and it's, as you say, a very different art form than novel writing. But I think it's really useful for writers to try it out um, if they haven't before. Uh, so, and I'll tell you about how I sort of started writing short stories because I had always written novels kind of as a teenager growing up. I always wanted to be a novelist. Um, I hit a pretty big writer's block for maybe five years when I was in my 20s, kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And I found short stories was an avenue back into writing because the pressure, you know, was much less than a novel. It can be very overwhelming, especially if you're just getting into writing or getting back into writing versus a short story. You know, you try it. If it doesn't work, it's fine. You haven't wasted, you know, years of writing. Um, so I started writing short stories about some of my main characters in my novels, uh, kind of their big moments, their turning points, and made these standalone pieces and found that it was really useful to kind of get that writing momentum back. Um, 
And there's so many kind of markets and avenues for short story writing. It's really, I feel like it's actually a really good time to write short stories. There's a ton of online magazines. There's really cool podcasts. Um, I feel like so many publishers are putting out anthologies pretty constantly, especially indie presses. Um, so there's a lot of places to submit short stories to. That's a, that's a point um, that we should sort of uh, touch on a bit more because most of our listeners are self-published authors, right? So they write their novel and then they take it over to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever, and they, they upload it and they put in their metadata, they hit publish and they're done Mm -hmm. with the short story though. The, uh, I mean, you can uh, technically publish short, short stories on Amazon, but typically you would be looking at um, a more traditional route a lot of people would be looking at a more traditional route of submitting to uh, different places like that. I mean, so uh, can you tell us about those uh, those places, what that process is like, but also um, the idea of, you know, can you do both? Can you take a story and publish it in one of those things and then also publish it yourself on Amazon? Or, you know, is it an either or situation like it Ooh, typically yeah. is for novels? Right. No, that's a great question. And one of the kind of awesome things about short story writing is that the short story can keep working for you like long after you've finished writing it. And what I mean by that is you write the story, you send it out, say, to magazines, anthologies, you get that first acceptance. And typically, you know, that exclusivity of publishing it is a few months, you know, maybe a year at most, and then the rights revert back to you. What that means is you can then submit that story again to other places. Many places take reprints and you would check the submission guidelines to make sure. Um, Oftentimes reprints, you get paid a little less. Uh, Sometimes you get paid the same. But basically you can keep sending out that story kind of forever, right? As soon as the rights come back to you. So that's, that's also an advantage. Um, Another thing that might interest kind of your marketing listeners is that uh, this is something I plan to do. Um, If you have a lot of short stories kind of tied to maybe one of your novels, you can then compile them and do your own collection, right? And you could publish that on Amazon um, as opposed to individual short stories. Um, So for example, I have my Weird West novel coming out, uh, but I've written actually a lot of short stories about these main characters even before I wrote the novel, uh, many of which were published, but the rights have reverted to me. So at some point, I'd like to collect those. Um, and it's about the main characters, side characters, kind of other adventures. Uh, I'd like to collect those and then, you know, publish those as a as their own collection. Um, so that's a fun thing with short stories, too. So if you were to uh, have one that you sold and the rights revert back to you and whether you resell it again and again, you know, but uh, when you wanted to go and publish it as an anthology of your own, at that point, now it's up in a book on Amazon or wherever. Can you still sell that story somewhere mm. else? So then it gets trickier. A lot of places won't take a story if it's sort of available um, for purchase. Actually, let me take that back. Um, actually, I think you could. I'm trying to think this through of the contracts I've read because imagine you submitted a short story to an anthology, it's then published on Amazon. That's kind of there forever, but the rights have reverted back to you. 
So I think in that case, though, where you've published it yourself, you would probably just want to disclose that when you're submitting. And it would really depend on the publisher. Um, Honestly, I think a lot of publishers, if the piece is what they're looking for, um, they'd probably be happy to publish it again, as long as it's not interfering with any rights. But I would definitely check in that case. And how long are the the stories typically that you're that you're writing at least? So short stories are so interesting because they can be a hundred words or they can be like ten thousand words, right? And you kind of get into nuances there, where you have these labels like novelettes, um, novella, even you have flash fiction, you have drabbles. Drabbles are exactly a hundred words, um, which is a really fun writing exercise, right? It, kind of gets you to think outside of your normal writing style and writing zone. And a lot of places are interested in those drabbles in a hundred words, a thousand words. Um, Usually the sweet spot for a short story that I've seen is around three to 5,000 words. Um, So a lot of places are looking for like two to 5,000, but there's lots of variations. Some places will go up to 9,000 words. Those get a little harder to sell. Um, and then under 2,000, you're, those are considered flash fiction typically, and there's a huge market for flash as well. And then, like, what sort of payment are you looking at for, for something in the 3,000 to 5,000? Is it uh, per word? Uh, is it flat fee? And then, like, what kind of range are we talking about? Yeah, it's a mix. So there's what's considered pro pay, which is typically about $0.08 cents a word and up. Um, I think it used to be six cents, but I believe now most are considered eight cents and above. Um, those are very competitive. So it's it's better to sort of start with the semi-pro. Um, a lot of them are flat fees. Um, you know, it's anywhere from five to $15 for a short story to maybe a hundred dollar flat fee. Uh, so there's a huge range. I would definitely suggest, you know, always making sure you are getting paid for your short stories. Uh, the exception being oftentimes people will do charity anthologies. So these are anthologies where all of the proceeds go to some cause. So in those cases, they're typically not paying authors. It's for, you know, some benefit, charity benefit. Um, but typically for those reprints are welcome. So you could get paid for the story somewhere else and then submit it to a charity anthology. But I, you know, as with anything, you should get paid for your work. So I would um, recommend kind of avoiding places where it's exposure only payment. Right. Uh, it's still, it's still a pretty big range though. You know, the, the mm-hmm. pro pay of eight cents a, a, a word for 5,000 words is what 400 bucks. And then on the semi pro you're at 15 bucks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Huge range. <laughs> so, well, okay. So I guess if you um, are somebody starting out, it's kind of like you sell a bunch semi-pro and then that sort of adds to your portfolio, your, your resume when you submit to somebody uh, like a semi-pro place. Is that right? Is that how it works? Exactly. So starting out, I submitted to, you know, many places that were semi-pro or like very kind of token payments. Um But there are other benefits as well. So one of the biggest benefits to publishing short stories I found is connecting with um, the publisher, the editor, and the other writers in the TOC. 
so one thing I always do is go on social media and try to find kind of the other writers in the TOC of an anthology or magazine that I'm in and connect with them, share their work, um, you know, chat with them. And it's been a really great way to meet other writers and um, learn about the other publishers and editors out there. So that's a huge advantage, I would say, to short stories as well. Yeah. Is there a place that you go that sort of lists where uh, the different places that take these submissions and the genres and the payment and there's their guidelines and all that? Or is it just like you got to find it from various places on the web? (laughs) It's a combination. So there are a few kind of genre specific resources I use. Um, Horror Tree is great for horror submissions. They list like tons of stuff that come out. Um, I love Submission Grinder. They have a, a weekly newsletter. So every Monday they'll send out notice of what's coming up in terms of open submissions, what's closing, what's changing. Super useful. Um, Duotrope is another one. That's a paid service. Also very useful. Um, and then actually Facebook groups I found to be very helpful. There's some that are specific for science fiction open calls, some for horror calls, and you'll have members kind of post when they see submission guidelines come up and when they see open calls. Um, and then Twitter has been helpful in the past. Um, so yeah, I would say social media and some of these website services are, are very useful and it can be overwhelming. Sometimes there's, you know, a billion calls out for the month of January and you have to kind of figure out what, what works best for you. And is it a very competitive sort of landscape? Is there mm-hmm. just, I mean, I guess you don't really necessarily know how many submissions are going into a certain place. Um, unless they, I don't know, maybe they post that, but in general, I assume that, you know, there's probably a lot of people trying to get a certain small amount of spots, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, publishing in general is competitive, right? But I think short stories are extremely competitive because it is theoretically easier to write, right? Because you can write, anybody can write one, you know, in a a week. It doesn't take the same level of perseverance necessarily as a novel. So I do think there are a lot more short stories out there. Um, But same with novels, right? There's going to be a lot that aren't going to be the best fit for the magazine. They maybe aren't as polished as they should be. Uh, but I have seen from publishers posting that they get these record numbers of submissions, it seems like, every month. Um, that said, I think that actually um, ties back to a tip I wanted to give, which is about the opening of the short story. And this is related to slush readers who are, you know, those readers who are reading the initial stories that come in before sending it on to the higher level editors. Um, In a short story, that opening is so important. It's important for novels as well, but the short story is especially important. You have such limited space um, to convey your story and to convey your themes. And the opening has to be a hook. It has to set kind of the tone of your story. Um, so I would say more than any other part, that beginning is so essential for a short story and it'll help elevate the story out of the slush pile. How, how long of a, uh, of a hook do you need? Like how, how long is that opening? Like, mm. you know, we're talking a pair, your first paragraph or your first page, your first, you know, when you're talking about three to 5,000 words, you, you're not, you don't have a lot of leeway there, right? Right. Yeah. I would say it first sentence, first paragraph, first page is too, 
to too much space, right? So, and I write a lot of stories that are 2000 words. So that hook has to happen very, very quickly. Um, some of the best short stories I've seen pretty much all have like a killer opening line. Uh, so I strongly recommend working on that opening and, you know, paragraphs. Okay. But if you can get a really great first line, um, and obviously the rest of the story should, should follow that. It shouldn't be kind of a throwaway line that doesn't relate to the story. Um, but something where you have a little bit of intrigue, right? Like what, what can you say in a first sentence that is going to make the reader think, oh, what, this is unusual. Like, what is this story going to be about? Um, so having that bit of intrigue in the hook is key. If I was to write one, I think my initial thought of how I would go about that, and let's let's see if, if this is how you work or if you agree or disagree. I, I have a feeling I would probably want to write the story first and then come back to the hook once I know mm-hmm. everything that's happening and I can sort of pick out that juicy part that mm-hmm. I want to tease or that I want to, you know, foreshadow or that I want to, you know, is that how you work or do you like start with your hook and then just launch into your story? I do the latter actually. I try to find a um, hook and let that kind of dictate the story a bit, but I love working from, um, images for short stories. So one thing I've done with a group of other writers is a weekly kind of flash writing exercise where somebody will put up an intriguing picture, usually like fantasy sci-fi, or maybe two pictures. And from there, you write a short story and everybody shares at the end of the the weekend. And um, I always try to get that hook and that first sentence right. And then from there, let the rest of the story flow. Um, but I think a lot of people do the opposite, as you were saying. I have a feeling that it defines whether you're a plotter or a pantser. And it sounds to me like you're probably more of a pantser, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, and I'm more of a plotter. So I would be like, okay, I got to write the whole story and then I'll figure out the hook. And you're like, I'm going to start with the hook and just go. <laughs> <laughs> which, which probably is you know, better, especially for short stories. But um, but that being said, this is a good leeway into, uh, you know, the idea of what is it that makes a good um, short story? Like what, let's talk about sort of the techniques that Mm -hmm. you need to write a story now that we know what, what it is and where to sell it. Like how, how are we going to write it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say to start the kind of biggest mistakes I see with um, short story writing initially is um kind of two two fold one is writing a vignette instead of a short story so that's kind of that moment in time where you're um, capturing maybe an atmosphere or imagery and it can be very beautiful but there's no momentum nothing's happening right there's no character growth Uh, so that is very common in short stories and sometimes it can work it's not you know something you never ever want to do but it tends to be i think uh um, something people do that is not quite as strong a short story as it could be when it just sits as a vignette. The uh, And on the opposite ends, I see a lot of writers try to pack in too much plot, right? So um, unlike a novel, you don't really want subplots or a lot of side characters, right? You really want to focus in on one character or maybe a few, um, kind of one moment, one instance, one plot. So you have to hit that sweet spot where it's uh, something's happening, there's an arc, 
but it's not overly complicated and it's not kind of not enough change in the story. Um, so there's one actually structure I like to use and suggest for people who are starting. And I think of it as five sentences. So a five sentence story. Um, and it's challenging, right? And you do it, but it gives you the structure that you can then expand on. So the first sentence would be your hook. Um, the second sentence would be sort of scene setting, kind of the atmosphere. Um, third sentence would be the introduction of the tension, right? What is the character grappling with? Um, fourth would be the conflict, the incident, you know, what happens? The tension is at its tipping point. And the fifth sentence is the resolution. How, how did your character rise up or fail to rise up to the conflict? Um, so, you know, very compressed, but it's a really useful exercise to try to do it in five sentences. Uh, you know, you take half an hour, an hour, pick a prompt and just try to do those five sentences. And it doesn't have to be strictly five, but um, thinking that way can get that story arc like done and there, and then you can work from that. So that's your planning there is your, that's how you plot. You yeah, plot probably, five sentences. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like some genres would be, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to say easier, but um, there's going to be different challenges per genre. And it seems to me, because you write in uh, science fiction, fantasy, horror, right? I think you've chosen ones that are probably harder in the sense that, um, you know, fantasy and science fiction books, you think of world building, you think of, you know, you've got to, you've got to, you know, this whole fantasy world with its magic system mm-hmm. and it's whatever, or, or the science fiction world that's technologically advanced, or maybe it's an alien. And you, you have such a limited time to, to set that uh, atmosphere or world and build that world and, and have everyone understand how it all works. So how are you able to compress all that? Are, is there, uh, do, do people write or do you write multiple stories within sort of one world so that then it's sort of like everyone has to sort of kind of know it or follow it along? Uh, or is it just like every story is a different possible world that they're in? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to start over. Yeah, I think, um, so I write every story as standalone, even the ones that are kind of in the same universe. And I think the only time you can't do that is if you have your own collection, right? So people are going to read it through and you don't have to keep introducing the same world elements. Um, but I really love the challenge of that. And um, my background is journalism. So I've learned how to be very brief with you know sentences and words. And I think that is super helpful for short story writing. Um, but I think you know, it's very, um, it's just a really good exercise to try to use the least amount of words as you need to, to get your point across and to make each word really work uh, for the story, I think is also key, especially if you're writing a drabble, a hundred words, you know, every word in there needs to be carefully considered. Um, Ideally, you would have words doing multiple levels of work, right? Conveying your theme, uh, moving the plot forward. Um, You know, and the challenge there, though, is you don't want to overthink it because then you lose your flow. Um, So that's, I think, where kind of practice comes into play. And then also reading people who do it really well. Um, I like to point to... (laughs) Hemingway's example that I think everybody knows, the six-word story, right, for sale, baby shoes never worn, does so much, right? It's like that 
iceberg tip that conveys a whole story. So I think um, thinking about short stories in those terms, like what are you implying beyond the page is really critical. And that is very different than novels, right? Novels, you have the space to get into all that backstory and world building. Short stories, you need to imply it more. Yeah, I, I can't even write an email of 100 words. I don't even, I can't even imagine that uh, trying to fit a whole story into that. I'm going to have to look up some drabbles and, and wrap my head around that. Um, so are you, I mean, I guess if you're only getting 10 or 5 to $15 uh, a story for, for a short story, I imagine if you're selling a drabble, it must be. Is it even, do you even get any money back after the fees? <laughs> uh, you know, travels usually is a flat fee similar. I've seen them, you know, $15, sometimes more. It totally depends on the publisher. Um, but travels actually, I think are, um, you might have a better chance of getting them published because they are a little more challenging to get those a hundred words. And actually that reminds me of another tip I like to share, which is uh, make your title also work for your story. When you only have a hundred words, you know, your title usually is outside of that a hundred words. It, it depends though, but don't forget about the title, right? You can convey information about the story through that. So that's another um, aspect I like to think about for short stories. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, you can use the uh, use that as a loophole to fit five or six more words in there. Um, are so typically, if you had uh, is it a website or different websites that would uh, just publish a bunch of drabbles and then people come on and then they read them and it's like I would imagine advertising uh, paid for by advertisements on the website, right? You're not selling a drabble to people. I imagine it's free, like the the con- consumption from the reader side of it was probably free, right? Right. Although I have seen um, print anthologies of drabbles or kind of flash fiction. So that would be a case where it's not free to read. Um, but a lot of people will put it on their website, um, you know, digital magazines and whatnot. So uh, there's a whole kind of range of um, publishing these super short stories. Wow. it's fascinating. People, something somebody said to me uh, resonated, and that was uh, that they were getting tired of books that were big. Like they liked short stories and they liked novellas and things because these days we're all busy. And, uh, you know, if you've got a stonking hundred thousand word book, that's a commitment to get through. Whereas if you write a, uh, read a short story, you can do it very quickly. They tend to have like the satisfying twist. So they, they give you that little dopamine buzz. And also in terms of like book clubs and things, if you have a short story, lots of people can read it because it's not a huge hundred thousand word commitment and then all discuss it. And it's, I think short is, is definitely coming back into style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, It's nice because you can read a short story on your lunch break, right. Or on your commute. And I had, you mentioned the book um, clubs doing short stories and I was part of one that, um, read one of my short stories and it was really fun because it was, yeah, you had a lot of people, um, a lot of interesting conversation and it wasn't this huge commitment that not all people can make in terms of longer books. And I have seen a lot of novellas actually recently being published and getting good reviews. And I do think that is kind of a, a more popular reading right now. So to get back to, um, some of the techniques, uh, 
you you know you mentioned your five sentences um you have a um you know, presentation that you, you give on this. So what sort of things do you talk about uh, for people that are looking to, to start writing this um, aside from, you know, the, the five sentence idea? Mm-hmm. So definitely examples. And as far as kind of those first sentences go, I'd like to share, um, you know, some examples of how to make the reader feel intrigued and want to read more. Um, there's also a book I love to recommend, which is just brilliant. It's called A Swim in a Pond in the Rain. Um, and it's about uh, the Russian kind of literary masters, their short stories. Um, it's by George Sanders, who's an um, English professor. And it's like getting a writing class. He writes so well and he shares like what works in these kind of Russian short stories that I probably would not read on my own. Um, But it is just such a great walkthrough of what makes a short story kind of brilliant and how to do it. And he really dives into all these techniques and tips. So I like to recommend that as kind of a longer read. Um, But yeah, in terms of uh, quick tips, the five sentence structure, um, examples of openings. And usually I kind of ask people what their favorite openings from stories are. This can be from novels as well. Um, and you can just Google, you know, best opening lines and, and that can provide inspiration. Um, and what's then, your favorite, you must have a favorite then. Oh, I if have. You're, <laughs> if you're asking other people to come up yeah, with theirs, you must, have, you must have one. Um, put you on the spot there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I have it here actually. Um, so <laughs> the examples I like to give one is <clears throat> in the beginning, Sanford Carter was ashamed of becoming an army cook. That's from The Language of Men by Norman Mailer. And that sentence does so much, right? In the beginning, Sanford Carter was ashamed of becoming an army cook. So you have this weird shame. Why would somebody be ashamed? You know, that kind of presents a question. You have the in the beginning, which implies something's going to change. So there's the question of what changes? Why does it change? Um, And the sentence also gives you some setting, right? He's an army cook. So that opening sentence does so much. I think it's a great example. Um, Another one I like to share is, um, I'll read it. Uh, The thing about being the murdered extra is you set the plot in motion. And that's from a short story called Being the Murdered Extra by Kathy Ulrich. And that's just so intriguing. I mean, how could you not read more after that, right? So um, those are just two examples of, sentences that give you that intrigue, you know, set up the story. And um, there's a great quote I love that um, basically says that your opening is like an opening in chess. It sets you up for success. So I also like to think about about that when devising the opening. So it's a lot of pressure, but it's worth it to spend time on it. Yeah, it counts. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's like, you know, there's such an economy of language that you have to use to set up this, like, this hook, this, like, leave questions in the reader's mind, have them not want to put the book down after reading that first sentence. Right. Seems like you would probably spend almost as much time crafting that first sentence or the first hook that you would for writing the entire story. Pretty much. And actually, um, kind of bookending that the ending is also critical, right? Because that's what your reader leaves with. So 
it's nice to try to develop what's called a kicker ending. So, you know, a sentence or, or a phrase, something where it's like, oh, the reader is, you know, kind of surprised maybe, um, but definitely satisfied, similar to novel writing, right? You want a satisfying ending that makes sense, that fits, that's somewhat hinted at, but still hopefully a surprise. Um, But in that sense, the kicker sentence, you still need to consider every word pretty carefully. And, uh, you know, you want to leave readers with that, oh, kind of kick to the face almost in a good way. Yeah, I imagine you would have to always end a short story with a satisfying ending like it's not like a a novel where you can leave an open-ended ending because you're going to write another novel uh typically your short stories are not going to be serial i mean unless you were saying you know if you were writing an anthology of your own maybe Mm -hmm. but when you're selling them to a a publisher you have no idea if they're going to buy your next one or when that might be so you can't really end it on a on a on a point that doesn't satisfy the reader otherwise they're not going to be happy about it and they'll probably not want to read any of your stuff anymore exactly and, and the thing is when they when they're good though you binge read them i was there was i don't know if he was popular in america but jeffrey archer was a a, a writer in england who wrote short stories and the twists in them were always so perfect nice. you just it was so satisfying when you read them and in, to a certain extent i'm thinking there are short stories that have stayed with me as much as full length novels that I've read just as because they're so good at at creating like that moment in time and having that twisty ending. Yes. I love the twisty ending. It's um, similar to like twilight zone or, um, you know, creep show kind of those short stories essentially in film form where they usually have a twist that you're kind of waiting for. And it's just so satisfying. Right. And when you read or watch something that doesn't have the twist, it's kind of like, Oh, well, that was fine, but I expected more. So do you end yours typically on a twist? I try to. I think um, a twist is tricky, right? You don't want it to be contrived. Like, oh, it was all a dream or they were actually the aliens, you know. So you have to be careful about those. Um, So I think when we say a twist, it doesn't need to be something so dramatic. It can be something more subtle. It could be something where, you know, it's the character's misstep or just something that is unexpected. Yeah. Um, unexpected is what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. Unexpected, but satisfying. That's what Stephen yeah. King wrote. It's like an ending should be unexpected, but satisfying because it ties in with everything. Right. Yeah. That's, exactly that's where I would think you'd want to do a little bit of plotting and that might just be me, <laughs> but uh, I would be like stressing over, you know, how I'm going to end it. If I haven't sort of like built up to that uh, with that ending in mind, then it's tough to, to put, put a good ending in there if you haven't, uh, otherwise you're rewriting it pretty much, which is easier. I'm sure with a short story than a novel doing a rewrite and probably just as if not more important, uh, you know, you're editing and you're rewrite. How, how many times are you rewriting a, a short story? Typically, are you are you rushing through getting that first draft in and then uh, just rewriting it and polishing it up over and over again? Yeah, yeah for me, um, completing a story is always kind of the most challenging thing, which I think is maybe similar for a lot of writers, whether it's a novel or short story. You know, I have so many kind of half drafts started. So for me, getting to the ending as quickly as possible is key in order to make sure that story 
lives and doesn't just kind of die a sad half death. Um, the same with novels. So I try to blast through, you know, get to that ending as quickly as I can and then go back and flesh it out, see what works, see what doesn't. Um, as you say, it's much easier to do with the short story because you're not kind of wasting a ton of time. Um, it's a little harder with the novel because then you're maybe going off in lots of directions and getting frustrated or kind of lost in the story. But with the short story, it's, it's kind of fun to do it that way. Yeah. And I think it's easier to keep it all in your mind, right? A whole short story in your head is easier than a whole novel. So often with a novel, you know, you might end up with uh, inconsistencies or you know stuff that you wrote at the beginning and then you forgot about and then you didn't tie up or that you, that, you know, Roland talks all the time. That's more about a series with his issue, but you know, where in book one, the, the guy had a brother and then later on he was an only child. And it's like with a short story that probably is less of a concern because you can just in one sitting rewrite it and, you know, you, you saw what you wrote at the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's one of the reasons I also recommend trying short stories to people who are not really writing and want to, or they're stuck in a slump, um, you know, because you can write it in that weekend, that day, that week, um, especially for those of us that maybe have, you know, really intense schedules and it's hard to maintain the novel writing. Um, the short story is just a great way to do it and to kind of get the writing muscles going again. Um, and the other nice thing too, is you can send it out pretty easily for somebody to read and get edits back to you as opposed to a whole novel is more of a commitment for beta reading, but for short stories, it's, you know, very easy to find another writer and exchange stories and, you know, get feedback in a few days. I think you'd have to be incredibly creative, I mean, authors in general are creative, obviously, but it's almost like a, a, like a whole nother level to me of creativity because it's, you know, a novel is like this one idea you have and you wrote it and it took a long time and it's a big thing and whatever, right? But with a short story, I got to come up with a new idea with a new unexpected ending and a new world and a new character like every time I write sit down to write mm -hmm. and that seems like where where are you getting all your inspiration from for all these different ideas and stories yeah so I actually um I get a lot of ideas more than I can write which is a nice problem to have right so I just kind of keep a long running list um and a lot of them I hope to get to at some point when I have more time but I would say probably where most people get their inspirations from. Sometimes it's a moment, you know, you're out shopping and you see somebody do something kind of unusual and you're like, oh, I wonder what their story is. Um, images, which I mentioned before, can be really good to prompt a writing exercise. Um, so, you know, if somebody's looking to try this, I would suggest maybe getting another writer friend or two, uh, getting an image, having everybody write a short story. Um, and it kind of forces you to write, right? Even if you don't have an idea, you're looking at this image and you're like, oh, I need to come up with some story around it. Um, so if you're totally stuck, that's a really good way to get ideas. And then the other thing people do that I've seen is um, you look at the submission calls and you can actually write a story for the submission calls. So for example, there might be a submission call for um, killer mermaids, killer mermaid anthology, right? So there's your, there's your initial idea and you can start writing whatever your vision of a killer mermaid is. So the submission calls are that specific or is that? Yeah. yeah. 
is um, good and bad, right? Some are so specific that usually I don't have any stories I can submit. Um, others are broader. Some are just, oh, any horror short story send our way. Um, so it's really a huge range. And I think that's why it's good to look um, on some of these websites or get some of these emails that tell you about the open calls, because then you can quickly scan, see if anything catches your eye, um, either to write a fresh story or to submit a story you have already. Wow. I, uh, I thought that the submissions were kind of like, you know, were publishing a new anthology next week or, you know, not next week, but, you know, I didn't realize they were like, you know, right. We're looking for stories about killer mermaids or whatever. That That's, that is, that's, it almost seems like they're basically, you know, that's almost a way to ensure that they're getting unique content is by okay. saying explicitly what they need. It makes writers have to write something for that for that submission i think instead of like just dusting off an old thing that they've published before or whatever yeah which actually reminds me of a funny instance there was a um indie publisher was it two or three years ago who was doing a pizza horror anthology so horror stories somehow involving pizza oh i i thought you said, I thought you said it's a different word then and i was like <laughs> but pizza okay. horror Pizza, right. So, you know, pizza delivery, whatever you can think of, well, like different stories for that. But apparently they got, I don't even know, hundreds and hundreds of stories. And then for the next year, <laughs> you had anthology editors saying, oh, I don't want another pizza horror story because you had all these people who had written pizza horror stories that didn't get published. So they're then submitting it, you know, to these other places. So there was this kind of running joke about pizza horror for a while. <laughs> So that is a danger too, right? If you write a story that's too niche for one anthology and they don't take it, you kind of have this random story that might be hard to sell elsewhere. I'm going to be Googling pizza horror after that. After we finish. <laughs> it's a really good anthology. It's uh, You should yeah check it out. So unfortunately, we have reached uh, reached the end of our time together. Oh, this has been a fascinating conversation. You know what? The wonderful thing about short stories are that they, they – they're a great way to get you into writing again if you've been out of it. So I'm like, yeah, it's been very inspirational listening to you. Where can people find your stuff, your stories? Where can they read? Yeah, so my website, Casey Griffin, G-R-I-F-A-N-T, uh, .com. And I'm also on all the social media networks at Casey Griffin. Um, so I have actually my short story list up there. Some are free to read. Um, so yeah, come by and say hi. That is wonderful. And uh, Greg, do you have anything else to, to say before we wrap things up? I, I agree with you. Like it, it sort of makes you want to get into short stories just to sort of get back the flow of what you were doing. Like I haven't been writing for a long time because I started Hidden Gems and then that took up all my time. And I'm like, yeah, there's no time at all to write novels anymore. But maybe there's time to write a short story or two. You know, it's like I, I get a lot of my... Uh, um, writing, you know, uh, I, 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 um, I use, I write the newsletters and I, you know, I'm writing emails all day, every day. So, you know, my need to really just write isn't that huge, you know, in that sense, but my need to be creative and to write something creatively is not been sort of quenched lately. So, uh, 
I think maybe I, I'm going to start looking at some of the short story stuff, get in and read some of that and get into the mode. Cause like, you've sort of like made me think to myself, yeah, maybe I should get back to that. That would be cool. Yeah. But, yeah thanks, thanks for coming on and talking to us about it. Cause it, it was really interesting. I think a lot of authors are going to find this interesting, especially if they haven't really um, put, any time into writing short stories before because they didn't know sort of anything about it. This sort of gives them a great, actually we covered, I think everything really uh, from where to sell it, what you get paid, how to do it, you know? So it's a really good talk. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. It was fun. And if you uh, have any questions for Casey, make sure to leave them down in the, the comment section below. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done already, whether you're listening to us as a podcast or you're watching on YouTube. And uh, remember to be back next week for another episode of Fully Booked with another guest. Thank you so much. And remember, look up Casey Griffin and uh, all her stories. Cheerio. Cheerio.